Welcome to City on a Hill's podcast. This week's podcast can be downloaded on iTunes or our media library at chccny.com. So today is part three of our series on identity. In the past few weeks, we've had Pastor Tom Richter here sharing with us, and I am going to be bringing a word. Oh, that's mine. <laughs> Always know your own son's cut. Where's that clicker? Ah, here we go. All right. I, I saw this cartoon. I thought it was apropos for today, just to lighten the, lighten the mood a little bit. But uh, you guys read it, you get it. It's pretty funny. And it's all about this preconceived notion that we have with our identity. But we're going to get into that. I just want to open up this meeting with a word of prayer. Well, continue in prayer. Lord Jesus, we are gathered here today, Lord, to not watch and see, like sitting on the TV or watching a football game or seeing our kids play, Lord. We've come here today, Lord, to meet you, to experience you, Lord, to touch you, because we need you, Father. We need more than what we have right now. We need more than what we've experienced this week. That's a better way to put it. We need more than what we've experienced this week. We want a greater cup of who you are in our hearts and in our lives. Lord, we want to walk in the expression of our true identity in you, Father. We give this meeting over to you. We give this speaker over to you, Lord, that this is your service. And you said that you were going to meet us here today. Amen? Amen. Amen. All right. So we're going to talk about a couple things. And... I want to preface this by talking about story. It's very important when we're talking about identity that we understand the story that we're in. And um, I'm going to slide over here. And I gave you guys index cards. On those index cards, I'm probably going to be asking a number of questions throughout the service. Um, write them down. If something strikes you, write it down. It's important that you do that. Um, and there's also homework at the end of the service that I do want you to write down to make sure that you don't forget. Now, I just want to, before we even get into it, one of the things that I like to do whenever I read scripture is I read, and I'll read, the, I'll read it, and you, know, you have those moments where you're like, all right, this is interesting, I don't know. And then I'll reread it again, and then I'll just start marking questions. You know, there's a word I don't understand, I put it on my little list. I go on to the dictionary, you know, dictionary.com, I look it up so I can get more understanding of it. Or I'll look up a different version of what I read. Maybe go to a message version or an English... Like, I, I, always, I always have questions. And the scripture is supposed to do that. It's supposed to make us look inward. It's supposed to agitate our state. So you're going to be hearing some of that as well. So what I want to do, I want to talk today about a story. It's a really, really good story. Really, really good story. You might not know it yet, but it only occurred to me recently why I was so drawn to it, and I'm going to share that with you today. Um, but it's got all these elements in it. Look at this. It's got identity. It's got a love story. It's got a joy in it. It's got friendship. It's got mistakes. There's a king. There's desperation. There's a sword. There's betrayal. There's an environment that we're going to talk about. There's bitterness. There's a fight, a really good fight. Death, a baby. There's truth and there's deceit. 
It's got all the makings of probably one of the greatest stories you will ever read. And I'm going to tell you that we can all identify with it. You're going to say, Naeem, really? Is something going on that I don't know? So let's, let's, let's just jump into it. We're talking today about Solomon's and the two harlots, or the Solomon and the two prostitutes. Now initially you're saying, huh? Hmm. Let's read. Now two women who were harlots came to the king and stood before him. And the one woman said, Oh, my Lord, this woman and I dwell in the same house. And I gave birth while she was in the house. Then it happened the day after I had given birth that this woman also gave birth. And we were together. No one was with us in the house except the two of us in the house. And this woman's son died in the night because she lay on him. So she arose in the middle of the night, took my son from my side while your maidservant slept, and laid him on, in her bosom, and laid her dead child in my bosom. And when I arose in the morning to nurse my son, there he was, dead. But when I had examined him, in the morning, indeed, he was not my son whom I had born. Then the other woman said, No! The living one is my son, and the dead one is yours. The first woman said, No, the dead one is your son, and the living one is my son. This, thus they spoke before the king. And the king said, The one says, This is my son, who lives, and your son is a dead one. And the other says, No, but your son is a dead one, and my son is a living one. Then the king said, Bring me a sword. So they brought a sword before the king. And the king said, Divide the living child in two, and give half to one and half to the other. Then the woman whose son was living spoke to the king, for she yearned with compassion for her son. And she said, Oh, my Lord, give her the living child, and by no means kill him. But the other said, Let him be neither mine nor yours. Divide him. So the king said, Give the first woman the living child, and by no means kill him. She is his mother. Who are the characters in this story? Anybody? Who are the characters? We have Solomon. We have a king. Who else? We have what? We have a child. And who else? Two women, two mothers, two... Now, I said that we were going to identify with this story... This is a hard part. Because when we read a text like this, we say, well, the two harlots, they were two prostitutes. A person who willingly uses his or her talent or ability in a base or unworthy way. We see the King Solomon, the chief authority over a country and a people, and we see the baby and the son. Two women who were harlots. So, in the first scripture, and this is what we're going to be talking about with identity. And I want to use this scripture as the reason why we lose our identity. All right? That's, that's the vehicle that this is serving. There are two women who are harlots. The first line in the story, they are identified as harlots, as prostitutes. In the first line of our story, the identity of our characters are people that give themselves away in a base and unworthy way, in the prostitute sense, for money. They are mothers. They're not two women with a maternal dispute. They are not two moms at war. 
They are not two women fighting over a child. They are two women who were harlots. That is how they're identified in the story. Now, their state, though, is that they are both mothers. If you're a mother in here, raise your hand. Yes. So think back, moms, of your gestation page, period, period, your time when the baby that you were giving, born, giving birth to was gestating and growing inside of you. Do you remember that? Do you remember the feeling of another life growing inside of you? Yes or no? Do you remember the first trimester when you were extremely tired? Some of you had morning sickness, throwing up on the bowl, just exhausted all the time. Anybody remember that? Okay. Do you remember the last trimester when your belly gets really big? I'm sorry, Sarah, but, you know, ready to pop. Your belly gets really big, and you really know that there is a life living inside of you. At the end of the day, you lay down, and the baby decides it's playtime, and you see, like, you know, the head and the butt rolling around inside there. Like, hey, calm down. I'm trying to sleep. Do we remember these? Ladies, do you remember giving birth to your child? Do you remember pain involved? Labor pains. Prior to actually giving birth, contractions. Surgery. Needles. The experience of actually giving birth. After you gave birth, do you remember holding your child for the first time? That's who these people were. These are two moms with newborns. Fresh out of the oven. (laughs) Gentlemen, we don't have the opportunity to experience childbirth. But we... (laughs) We had a clap. But we, but we do create. We do create. Just as women do, we do love to build. All of us, aside, stepping outside of maternity, have things and projects that we, are, that we gestate on, things that we truly love, things that we are waiting to come to fruition. And there is a process that is arduous, that's hard. And in that birthing period, when that thing comes out, and I think all of us can think of something in our lives that really meant a lot to us. To get to it, we had to go through a lot. And once that happens, there is something that changes in us because we understand that we've given birth. The burden has been released, so to speak. Do you understand what I'm saying about the identity? These are two moms. Now, the Bible also says that, um, that these are two women that were living together. Their environment was very, very important. They're two mothers who are living together, and they are still harlots. They are still being called and identified by their community in front of their king as a harlot. That's what you are. Oh. Okay. Let's talk about the two women. So, and I have to take a side note. There are going to be themes and things in this sermon that we can take a whole sermon on, I'm going to try very hard to stay straight and narrow. If you have things that strike you, write it down. Go back to the word. It will feed you. I guarantee you. We have a story here about safe people. We have two, we have two women. You know, they're, they're, they're prostitutes, right? And one gives birth, and then three days later, so the one gave birth, her baby's out. Now, three days later, the other woman in this house gives birth. They live together. They know each other. They know each other. The one woman kills her baby. Her baby, she wakes up dead. And in her moment, 
She's not able to grieve. She's not able to come to grips with what has happened. And her first thought is, let me grab this one. Let me grab this baby that's living because I can't not have that. You have to understand, we're talking about a baby. We're talking about two women. If we're just taking it in the base sense, you have women that are selling themselves, people, us, that are selling ourselves in a sense for unworthy causes, right? You have this kind of low life. And now new life and new hope comes in. And what happens? Oh, it died. No, that was my hope. That was the, that was the one light that I just had in my world. Instead of dealing with this area, we have this woman that comes over and says, well, I'm going to take yours. I'm going to take yours. Because I, I, cannot, I cannot go on without more life you take that. I, I need this. I need this more than you, and this is mine. No, it's not. We've experienced, all of us, people that have tried to rob us of the things that God has given us. How many times have we come into places where we've got a new life birthed in us? We're talking about identity for two weeks now. We're on week three. We walk out of these doors, and what happens? Life tries to rip the story. Life t- tries to rip the picture, the image that God has given us of ourselves and turn it into something else. Turn it into what our environment says it should look like. Turn it into, well, you should identify with this, your job, your state. Turn it into all the negative, horrible things that are going on out there and say that you can't do anything about it. You're just powerless. We have a woman whose baby has died and is grasping and clutching for something of meaning to take back to her own life. And on the other side of the story, we have a woman who has done nothing wrong to her child and is being taken from her. It's very, it's very interesting. It's easy when we look at the story and say, well, they were in a bad environment. They, they were, they, you know, we, we put our little labels on these, on these characters and I don't know them personally. But when we put ourselves into the story, something altogether different happens. And this story is not just about someone stealing someone's baby. This story for Christians, for us, I believe, is about us wrestling for our identity. That it's constantly at war and it contrasts with what's out there. Because everybody else wants to take it and make it into their own thing. And guess what? Woman A, who tried to steal woman B's baby, however you want to see it, she would have probably done the exact same thing to the other baby. It was given to you to nurture and care for. What do you do when you have new life inside of you, new identity inside of you, new direction inside of you, and your world does not change. What do you do when the job does not change or the marital problem does not change? The health problem does not change. You have new life, but everything around me looks the same. How do I hold on to this new life? How do I keep walking in, in this when I feel like everything looks the same? I want to hope and I want to grasp this identity 
but for some reason, it keeps getting stripped away from me. It keeps getting stripped away from me. I keep coming back, and that's why we come back every Sunday. That's why we come back. That's why we worship. I'd like to put myself into this story because I think there's a part of us that needs to understand that God loves us and he gives us good things that are, are supposed to be important to us, that are things that we have to cry out and fight for. And that's where this story goes. Uh, D, uh, Keith, can you come here for a second? You guys still with me? You guys still with me? I asked Dee and Keith to come up here because they're big guys. Uh, Keith, stand right there, I guess. And Dee, stand right there. That's good. All right. So I tried to insert myself into the story, and I was thinking to myself, and I wept. What would I do in this situation? I'm a guy. You know, nothing against ladies. I'm not saying anything. But for me, a baby is a little bit different. My instinct is to protect, to recover, right? Shield my family. So, if I am in a relationship with a, with a let's, say, let's say I'm living in a house with another family, and they try to steal my baby. I'm fighting. I'm going out to get my baby back. D, you and Keith, come. I'm going to try to go there. Don't let me off the stage. <laughs> All right, ready? Yeah. I want my baby back. I can't get past them. Now here I am. A mother father and by my own physical means I can't get my baby back by my own physical means I can't get back what was given to me so here I am now going before the king powerless I don't have my baby in my arms anymore and I say, give me back my son. Give me back my daughter. It was mine. Give me back my joy. I had it here, and they tried to take it away from me. Give me back my family. Give me back my health. Give me back my marriage. You, you fill in the blank. Give it back. I had it. It was here, and they're trying to take it away from me. 
Oh, king, do you see? I am the parent. It was given to me. It was birthed in me. That's the state of this mother. She has nothing left but a plea to the king to get back what was hers. What was growing inside of her. What she went through to birth it. What she nurtured at her bosom. That is her state. And as Christians, when we talk about our identity, when we talk about who we are, the biggest thing that we get attacked with is to put us back in boxes that the world says that we should be in. You dress nice, you look good, you make a lot of money, you got a nice marriage, you got two beautiful kids, whatever it is, you fill in the blank. That is the identity and the bill of goods that we're sold. And then we walk around as Christians and we struggle. It's like, why am I so down? Because you're constantly getting bombarded left and right. There's a line in the sand, and there's a thesis statement to this, that our conflict, that our battle, has to go before the king, who is good and just and wise. Still with me? Say amen. amen. There's a fight that must go before the king for resolution. The king is the one that gives us our identity back, he gives us our passions back, and he is the author of them in the first place. It's very easy to me it up. But the light that you have inside of you has been given to you. It's not something that you've generated. There's no list of good works or good tallies that is giving you that light. It was a, it was a gift of grace by Jesus Christ. He is the author of that in you. So the question is, why? Why? If we continue the story... We have the one prostitute cry out. The story, so the, this one woman says, she stole my baby and laid the dead one at my bosom. And the other woman replies, no, mine is the living son and yours is the dead one. The other woman replies, no, yours is the dead one, mine is the living one. The king, Solomon, repeats this and says, bring me a sword. And we will cut the baby in half. We'll kill it. Let's stop this bickering right, right, right here now. Now Solomon was wise enough to know what his plan was. The woman says, no, let the baby live. If I cannot have it, it's more important that it lives. Her passion identified her in front of the king. And what does the king do? He says, this is the mother. Let the baby live. This is the child's mother. 
Only a king can start a story, can change the script and say, you can start off as a prostitute or a harlot or vesting yourself somewhere. Oops, sorry. And change it around and say, no, 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 no. You're, you are to be identified as a mother. I like to think the Bible doesn't tell us, but from that moment on, she was known as the boy's mom. I like to think that the house situation that she was in, the friendships that she entertained were gone after the experience that she went through. But how many times do we put ourselves right back in the same spot to get ripped again? So why? Why does the king do this for us? We've already talked about this. Thomas did an excellent job of sharing about this. I'm going to just keep reiterating the same thing. And we're going to go to Galatians 4 for it. Now I say, this is Paul, now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, does not differ at all from a slave, though he is master of all, but is under guardians and stewards until the time appointed by the father. Even so, when we were children, we were in bondage under the elements of the world. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son. Born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who are under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. Again, I'm echoing what we shared last week. Because you are sons, God has sent forth the Spirit, His Son, into your hands, crying out, Abba, Father, dear Father, dear Dad. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. Why do we lose it? My answer is because we, and I'm going to use the strong word, prostitute ourselves out in this world for money, power, prestige, to try to make those things our new identity. Why is it enough? Why is it not enough in this day that we live in to be called just a mom or a dad? It's not enough to be called um, an employee. You have to be a CEO. It's not enough to have a six-figure income. You have to have a seven-figure income. It's not enough to just be a Christian. You have to be a pastor or a deacon or a priest. Why is it not enough to be called simply son of God? Christian, follower of the way. My life, I love Jesus. Why is that not enough for us to identify us, to ground us? I want to do something. We're coming into our close. It's a simple word. Can I have three volunteers? Fanny, you want to do it for me? Uh, you'll do it? Oh, Meg, you're going to want to put that on. Jim, just put, put these shirts on. Uh, I would recommend putting them on only. Uh, you might want to switch, Meg. You actually, no, you can keep that on. You, don't worry about the shirt. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> Unbutton the top two buttons of your dress shirts, Jen. 
Yeah, and I need I need to get right here on you. <laughs> yes, Megan is fine. <laughs> Are you guys with me so far? Okay. We are sons and daughters of the Lord. So I want to do something right now. You guys can sit down for one quick sec. I'm going to call you up right after this. We're sons and daughters of the living God. And so many times it gets robbed from us because we don't keep hearing it. You know, we need reminders. That's why we come to prayer meetings. That's why we come to church. We want more of him in us. We want his life to live through us. We want to be identified in Christ, through Christ. So I want, to do a, I want us to do a little exercise. Can everybody give me uh, an amen? amen? Oh, that was good. That was a good first one. All right. This is what we're going to do. We're going to do, we're going to do something about listening here. I'm going to have you guys chant, you are a son, you are a daughter, as loud as you possibly can. Then I'm going to tell this section over here to not chant, while the rest of the group Chant. And you guys are going to turn your bodies and chant that over them. And I want you guys to listen. Then we're going to go to this group. This group is going to be quiet. You guys are going to chant that over them, and they're going to listen. Then we're going to go to this group. We're going to do the same thing over here and then over here. You guys got me? Music team, you guys can get, start coming up. You guys got me? So when we, get, when, we get, when we get to the volume that we need, I'm going to do like this. And if I do this in front of your section, that means just be quiet for a second and listen. Okay? We have to have the volume. Don't cheat out to other sections, guys, all right? Because when it comes to your sections, you want to have that booming chant. Don't cheat them on, on what we're going to do. So let's just start. Uh, you're a son. You're a daughter. You are a son. You're a daughter. You are a son. You're a daughter. You are a son. You're a daughter. It's got to be louder. You're a son. You're a daughter. Louder. A son. You're a daughter. You're a son. Yell it over this group. Listen. Louder. Listen. Let it echo when you hear. You guys come up. You guys quiet. Yell it over this group. Louder. Listen. Louder. This group. Everybody on this group. This group was carrying the group. Let's come on. Let's give it back. Listen. Just listen. Last group. Just listen. Louder. Everybody. Close your eyes and listen. You are a son. You are a daughter. You are a son. You are a daughter. Very good. Very good. Do you hear that? See how powerful that is? See how visceral that is? James, come on. This is God's answer. What's your name? Say it out loud. James. James. What's your last name? Lecce. James Lecce. We have James Lecce up here. I just want to give you an illustration. That's all this is, okay? I just want to give you an illustration. I'm not getting crazy. <laughs> James, <laughs> what's going on? <laughs> so, I 
sticking my hand in some olive oil. It's olive oil. I'm just showing you an illustration of something. Put your hands in your chest. Put your hands in your chest. Come back to me. Zone in for a second. I want you to hear this. I want you to hear this. Listen. Listen to this. It's dripping. James Lecce, you are a beloved son of the living God, an heir to his throne and his kingdom. And he gave his son because he loves you so much. You feel that? Dad, come up here. <laughs> Say your name out loud. Say it. Vanna Sladek Maharaj. Same thing. Vanna Sladek Maharaj. You are a son of the living God and heir to his kingdom, and he loves you so much that he gave his only son. There is something, thank you, Vanna. For the record, I was going to do it across Megan's neck. Just a side note. Just a side note. Oh, awesome. Yes. Amen. Say your name out loud. Amen. Say your name out loud. Look at this. Dan Patron. You are a son of the living God, an heir to his throne. He loves you so much that he sent his son to die for you. That is, thank you, Dan. Thank you, guys. With your oily chest, I apologize. That is still wet, right? Still wet, right? Still wet, right? Water evaporates. Oil stays. Right? Living oil. That's what we're coming here for. We're putting oil back in our lamps. We're smearing that across our chests as a reminder, this is who I am. The world cannot see. Well, you guys can see under their shirts now. But if I have that on my chest, the world cannot see it. But if I have it here, wiped across me, it does not matter what I wear. It does not matter what state I'm in. It does not matter what job I'm in. I know it because I can feel it across my chest. Here I am, God. God gave his son for us. The son gave himself to us. So when the father looks at us, he sees the son. That's why. That's why in that court moment, when you're doing battle for the things that the Lord has given you, when you're doing battle and in a fight for the light that God has given you, for the birth that he's given you spiritually, for where he's taking you, he chooses you because he is the author. 
power in his death. He ch- Thank you. <laughs> he sides with you because he's the one who gave it to you in the first place. He knows who it belongs to. It belongs to you. It belongs to you for right now. It belongs to you for this week. As we come to this table that I made a mess of, we are reminded that our identity is in Christ, that we are sons and daughters. He looks at us like a beloved father. He then goes a step further and says that you are heirs, meaning everything that is his will be going to us. The scripture tells us that we will rule and reign with him forever. He gives us his son who dies for us. And at the table, this is his son's reminder to us of what he's done and who we are. The flip side of this story is the truth. That the person that is on his feet, screaming to the king, is Jesus. And he's screaming to get you to understand. He is screaming and fighting for you. That story is about you. Ushers, you can come up to prepare the table. And before I end in prayer, homework this week. Pick out three people. I want you to call them up on the phone. And I want you to tell them who they are. I want you to give them a voicemail like they have never received before. I want you to build them up in a way that they've never been built up before. And remind them of who they are in Christ. Repeat the words from here. If you know them well, you want to say something more. But I, 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 not a dialogue. If they answer the phone, tell them to hang up. Because you want to call them back and do your homework and leave them that message. This way, when you get the message, you will have three different messages, at least this week, reminding you of who you are. Amen? Lord Jesus, we just thank you. We thank you, Lord, that we can see your word with new eyes, Lord. That is, it is expressive, Father, and important that we see ourselves in the story, that we see your love for us. Lord, as this series comes to a head, Father, we we would pray right now that the identity that you've imparted to us, Father, we would not lose. We'd be quick to call and say, remind me again when I'm feeling low. We'd be quick to get on our knees and say, Lord, they're trying to take it from me. We'd be quick to understand that our King, that you are good. I think you're the one who gave it to us in the first place. In your name we pray, Lord Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening to City on a Hill's podcast. For more resources, visit us at chccny.com.